G'day and welcome to Is It Relevant Today? Right here on Faith FM. I'm Marius Jigau and on this show we're examining biblical concepts and ideas and asking ourselves the important question, is it relevant today? Or is it as outdated and ridiculous as VCRs? Our show today is called Magnanimous Father. We're going to have a look at a parable today that's among one of the best known. I would say probably top three. It's the parable of the prodigal son. And I'm personally of the opinion that this parable should be renamed. The names that we have to the parables are actually not inspired. When you have a look at the titles in your Bibles, you'll notice that they're different depending on the translation that you have, as they were added afterwards. And while this parable typically focuses on the son, I believe that it's much more about the father. Now, when I hear this parable, I feel that it's actually speaking directly about me. As many of you know, I've shared a bit of my past with you. I ran away from God for much of my life. And it was only until I found myself at rock bottom, where I was full of despair, that I actually decided to come back to God. And this is exactly what happens in this story. But when we have a look at the story... We need to have a look at it in its true context. What made Jesus speak this parable? If we have a look at the first three verses of Luke 15, we're told that all the tax collectors and sinners drew near to him, to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them, saying, Essentially, what's happening here is that the tax collectors and the people that the Jews considered to be sinners were hanging out with Jesus. And, interestingly enough, the Pharisees and the scribes are there as well. And they're rebuking Jesus. They say to him, this man receives sinners and eats with them. It's almost like another question that you hear in the book of Matthew in chapter 7, where it says... Now, as it happened, that Jesus sat at the table at the house, and behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? So again, it says that Jesus attracted this particular crowd. And again, despite the fact that there were tax collectors and sinners The Pharisees seem to be there as well, right? And this is exactly the situation that you have in the book of Luke. They're essentially accusing him. They're asking, is this really appropriate behavior? And in response to this accusation, Jesus gives three parables. The parable of the lost lamb, the parable of the lost coin, and the parable of the lost son. Now, I believe these three parables are referring to three different groups of people that exist in the world. I believe the parable of the lost lamb refers to those who are drawn towards religion, who would even describe themselves as spiritual, but they don't know God. Now, I believe that this is what this parable is about, because you see, the lamb knows that it's lost, but it doesn't know how to get home. It's like these people that are seeking for something and they know that there's something more, but they don't know where to look or they're looking in the wrong place. Now, I believe that the parable of the lost coin speaks about those who don't even realize they're lost, right? The coin doesn't know that it's lost. It doesn't know that it needs to get back home. I believe that atheists today would fall in this category. However, the parable of the lost son you know that the son knows he's lost. The son also knows how to get back home. And I believe that this parable is specifically directed to Christians who know Jesus, who know how to get back home. And we're going to have a look at this parable just after this song. salvation in the name of Jesus in the sweet name of 
proclaim His name and His righteousness. He'll stand for you, for He is true. There is salvation, salvation in Jesus' name. Welcome back to Is It Relevant Today? I'm Marius Jigao and today we're looking at the parable of the prodigal son, or as I like to call it, the magnanimous father. We've so far discovered that this parable was given in response to an accusation from the Pharisees that Jesus ate with tax collectors and sinners. And the parable reads, Then he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days later, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed the swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, 
Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf here and kill it, and let us eat and be merry, for my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Now, I'm aware that this parable has another component to it, but we're just going to examine this part of the parable for today. So, let's break it down verse by verse. The first thing that we find out is that this man has two sons, and the younger of them says to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. Now, straight away, something isn't right here. He's asking for his inheritance. Now, I imagine that he's a young man and his father is old. And it looks like his father's going to pass away at any moment. And this man has been making plans. He's been thinking what he's going to do with his money. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to enjoy myself. I'm going to leave this place and it's going to be great. But his father just won't kick the bucket, right? And he's thinking, come on. And he's waiting and waiting. And he gets to a point where he just doesn't want to wait anymore. And he goes to the father and says, Give me the portion of goods that belongs to me. Essentially what he's saying is, I wish you were dead. If you were dead, I would have what I need. And I wouldn't have this problem. And I remember when I first read this, I thought, wow. What a miserable son. What a miserable person. How could he be like this? There's no way any of us could be like this. Is there? We'll find out just after this song. Oh Lord my God When I in awesome wonder Consider all the worlds thy hands have made I see the stars I hear the rolling thunder Thy power throughout the universe displayed Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. When through the woods and forest plays I wander And hear the birds sing sweetly in the trees When I look down from lofty mountain grandeur And hear the brook and feel the gentle breeze Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. That God, His Son not sparing, sent Him to die, I scarce can take it in. That on a cross, 
cross My burdens gladly bearing He bled and died To take away my sin Then sings my soul My Savior God to Thee How great Thou art How great Thou art Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. And when Christ shall come, with shout of acclamation, and take me home, What joy shall fill my heart Then I shall bow In humble adoration And there proclaim My God, how great Thou art Then sings my soul My Savior God to Thee How great Thou art How great Thou art Then sings my soul My Savior God to Thee How great Thou art How great Thou art How great Thou art How great Thou art Welcome back to Is It Relevant Today, right here on Faith FM. I'm Marius Jigao, and today we're looking at the parable of the prodigal son. We've so far discovered that this parable was given in response to an accusation that Jesus ate with tax collectors and sinners. We've looked at the behavior of the son who is essentially wishing his father dead. And we're asking ourselves, I would never do this, would I? Are there situations in our life where we act similar to this miserable son? Unfortunately, I realize that this echoes me much more than I would like it to. And I think it echoes many of us much more than we think. Essentially, what the son here wants is, he wants the blessings of the father. He wants the things that the father has to offer, but he doesn't want the father himself. How many times have you seen this? How many times have you been like this? I often come across people who say, Ah, God doesn't answer my prayers. God doesn't listen to me. I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to reach out to Him and nothing happens. And I sometimes ask, How is your relationship with God? You know, we're told that you'll seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And many times I see people being frustrated and angry with God because he's not doing what they think he should be doing. But realistically, they're not interested in the Father. They want what the Father has to offer. They want the goods, but they don't want the person. This is exactly what's happening here. The son wants the Father's goods, but he's not interested in the Father himself. And he continues by saying, He delivered to him his livelihood. The father actually gives him his inheritance before he dies. I don't know how many fathers here today would do this. But when I read this, I was like, wow. He realizes that his son is unhappy. And he knows that if he gives him his likelihood, all will be wasted. You know, parents tend to know the way their children will behave. The father knows what's going to happen. But so much does God value free will that he gives him his livelihood. He continues by saying that not many days after, the youngest son gathered all together and journeyed to a far country and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Notice what he does is he journeys to a far country. Now, the reason I believe he does this is because he doesn't want to stay in that culture where people would be looking at him, where people would be holding him accountable to his beliefs. He's like, you know what? I don't want anything to do with these people anymore. 
I'm going to go, I'm going to go and find my own way and it's going to be great. So he goes to a far country and it says, when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land and he began to be in want. As I was reading these two verses, I realized that there is a blessing that God gave to this young man. Can you see it? Can you see what the blessing that God gave him was? The blessing that God gave him was the famine. You see, the son may or may not have known that his father is actually the God of all creation. His father knows what he needs. And when he's in the situation, his father will do everything he can to save him. And the father allows a famine to occur, allows him to struggle because he knows that that's the only way he may return. Then we're told that when he had joined himself to a citizen of that country, now as this famine was happening, and as this son was realizing, okay, I've lost everything, it's all gone, and I don't even really have much food, I'm sure that in his mind, the thought was coming again and again, you know what, I can go home. I can leave this place. But that's not what he does. What he does is he joins himself to a citizen of that country. Now, who does this citizen represent? We'll find out just after this song.
Welcome back to Is It Relevant Today? I'm Marius Gigo, and today we're looking at the parable of the prodigal son. We've so far discovered that the son wants the father's stuff without actually wanting the father himself. We've also realized that this may reflect us much more than we'd like it to. We've also discovered that when the son loses everything, instead of going straight home, he joins himself to a citizen of that country. Now, I believe that this citizen is a type of Satan, or type of the enemy. And the language that you see that's used here suggests this quite clearly. You see, as he joins himself to this citizen, what this citizen gives him is the worst possible treatment imagined. And this is exactly what Satan does. He joins himself to this citizen. Now, I looked at the word in Greek that's translated as joined, and it has very intimate connotation. The word comes up in a number of places in the Bible. One of them is 1 Corinthians chapter 6, where it says, Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh, but he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Again, the word that's translated here is the same word that we find that he joins himself to a citizen of that country. Essentially, what he does is he develops a relationship with the enemy. And in response, the enemy does what the enemy typically does. After you've had a little bit of a good time, he sends him in the fields to feed the swine. I believe that this specific imagery was used because this was the worst possible job a Jew could imagine. And this is where he finds himself. And this is what is offered him. The other thing that's really stood out for me, in the following verse, it says, he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate. You see, when we start following the enemy... When we start joining ourselves to him, he makes us so deluded that we begin to desire the most ridiculous, horrible things. We're told here that he would have gladly filled his stomach with these pods. He was looking at this pig food and was thinking, Oh, I really want to get myself some of that, right? Think of just how deluded his mind had become to actually desire the horrible things that the enemy gives him. How much does this reflect us when we begin to walk away from God and we begin to desire the evil things that the enemy offers us? In verse 17, we're told that when he had come to himself, I like this phrase, when he had come to himself, it's almost like he reached a point where he was like, All right, all right, I've had enough. And he was finally able to see reality. He continues and says, How many of my father's hired servants have enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. He sees the truth of the situation he's gotten himself into. And what he does is he plans to repent. This word, repent, is almost a dirty word in some Christian circles. Some people instantly say, oh, hang on a minute, that's works. But when Jesus began his ministry, he began by saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John the Baptist began his ministry by saying, repent. Paul speaks about repenting. This is what the prodigal son is doing here. He makes plans 
to stop doing what is wrong and to turn his life around and to go back to his father. Now, he knew what would await him. Well, he thought he did. And what he expected that would await him was a ritual called Kezaza. Now, what is this ritual and what does it represent? We'll find out just after this song. Just as I am without one plea, but that that was shed for me, and that Thou bidst me come to. as I am and waiting not to rid my soul of one dark blood to Welcome back to Is It Relevant Today, right here on Faith FM. I'm Marius Jigao, and today we're looking at the parable of the prodigal son. We've so far discovered that the son's behavior was pretty horrible. He wanted the father's stuff without wanting the father. We've also discovered that this sometimes reflects us much more than we'd like it to. We found out that when he loses everything, instead of going straight home, he joins himself to the enemy. And only after serving him for a time does he finally come to his senses and decide to go home. Though, 
He thought he knew what would await him when he went home, and this would have likely been the ritual of kazaza. This is what would typically happen in the Jewish culture when a young man would leave his home and would either sell his possessions to the Gentiles, or when a young man would take and join himself to a Gentile wife, and would lose his possessions or the possessions of the household. When he returned home, he would enter the town, and what would happen was this kazaza ritual, where the elders would come around and they would grab a clay pot. This was often filled with burnt beans. They would take this pot and would smash it on the ground in front of him. Essentially, what they were saying is, "You have burned your bridges here, boy." This smashed pot is a visual representation of your broken relationship with us. It is beyond repair. You will never be accepted back where you were before. That relationship is completely broken, and this is exactly what he expects to happen. You see, as he is rehearsing his plan, he says, "I'll go to my father. I'll ask him to be." A servant. He may take me back as a servant, but when he comes home, I love the response. It says, "When he came to his father, while he was still a great way off, the father had been waiting for this day. Right? He had been waiting. He'd been looking at the horizon for a long time. And when he was a great way off, the father is thinking of the son." He doesn't want him to be humiliated. He wants only the best things for his son. It says the father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And he begins to say, "I've sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son." Now the next part that he had planned to say was, "Make me as one of your hired servants." But you know what? The father doesn't even let him say it. It says, but the father said to his servants, "Bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring in his hand and sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf here and kill it. Let us eat and be merry, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found." And they began to be merry. The first thing that the father does is he puts his robe of him. This is a type of the robe of righteousness that God has for all of those who repent and return to Him. He will not have him treated as a slave. He straight away gives him his ring, signifying that he is part of this family once again, and he gives him sandals. Sandals represent that he is not a servant. In that time, sandals would not be given to servants. Servants wouldn't actually wear sandals. When you wore sandals, it showed that you were free. This tells us so much about the magnanimous father that we have. You see, at the beginning of this parable, I can imagine those who were hearing it were thinking through the context of what they were experiencing, and what was typically experienced in their culture. And when they heard the son saying, "Give me my portion." What would have been expected of the father to do at the time would be severe discipline and most likely banishment. Here, this son is bringing enormous shame upon the family, and it's a culture of honor. He's essentially saying, "I wish you were dead." And despite the shame that he brought upon his family, his father doesn't choose to deal with it silently. And brush him off to the side and save face. His father chooses to take on the shame himself, and give him his portion of the goods. Think about what this would have involved. It would have involved selling them. It would have involved dividing them. The entire village would have known exactly what was happening. And again, when the son comes back, the father again takes the shame. Upon himself, and he does this to prevent the son from being ashamed. You see, in that culture, it was considered extremely degrading for an elderly man to run. But I believe that Jesus 
specifically put this in the parable because the father ran to the son. He wanted his son back so bad that this is the most important thing for him. When Jesus was asked, why do you eat with tax collectors and sinners, when he's accused of eating with tax collectors and sinners, essentially Jesus' response was, you guys have no idea who the Father is. You just don't understand. If you did, you wouldn't be speaking like this. In each of these parables, at the end, there is a celebration. The son is found and it says, let's eat and be merry. The coin is found and it says, rejoice with me for I have found the peace which was lost. The sheep was found and it says, rejoice with me for I have found my sheep which was lost. This is the heart of the father right here. His heart is to accept, to take back with open arms to receive those who are lost and want to come back to him even after rebellious living. Jesus was in fact telling the Pharisees and the scribes, you guys have missed the point. This is what religion is meant to be about. This is what God is about. When I think of this parable, and as I said, I think it applies to me, but I also think it applies to every one of us. We're told that we all like sheep have gone astray. Every one of us, to some extent or another, find our lives expressed in the life of the prodigal son. We all walk away. We all do our own things. God sometimes puts on our heart, Hey, you need to work on this area of your life. You need to bring this in alignment with my will. And we run away. We try to get around it. We try to find some other way. We've all walked away from God in one way or another. We are all broken vessels. But the Father is waiting with open arms to receive us back, despite the fact that we are broken. There's an art in Japanese culture called Kintsugi. It's the art of repairing broken vessels. And what they do when they're repairing these broken vessels is they don't use glues and resins that match the shades of the vessels before. In fact, what they do is they actually accentuate the place where the vessels were broken. They infuse the glues and resins with precious metals like gold or silver or platinum. And the reason they do this is because they say that this shows the history of the vessels. I believe this is a good visual representation of what God wants to do for us. God wants to repair us. He wants to bring us back and put us back together. But not just that. He wants us to be beautiful more beautiful than before. He wants us to be able to show to the world around us, do you see here? Here I was broken. And look at what God has done for me. And if He has done this for me, He can do the same thing for you too. We thank you for listening today and don't forget to visit our YouTube channel called Is It Relevant Today? where we have video presentations on many topics including the one we've just been talking about called Magnanimous Father. We look forward to seeing you next week. I'm Marius Jigau. God bless and I hope you have a magnificent day. I cannot feel when my wounds don't heal Lord I humbly kneel hidden in you Lord you are my life so I don't mind to die just as long as I'm hidden in you.
If I could just sit with you a while If you could just hold me Nothing could touch me Though I'm wounded, though I die If I could just sit with you a while I need you to hold me Moment by moment Till forever passes by When I know I've sinned When I should have been Crying out my God And hidden in you Lord, I need you now More than I know how So I humbly could just sit with you a while If you could just hold me Nothing could touch me Though I'm wounded, though I die If I could just sit with you a while I need you to hold me Moment by moment Till forever passes by Far away stood an old rugged cross The emblem of suffering and shame And I love that old cross where the dearest and best For a world of lost sinners was slain So I'll cherish the old rugged cross Till my trophies at last I lay down I will cling to the old rugged cross And exchange it someday for a crown 
Well, the old rugged cross, so despised by the world, has a wondrous attraction for me. For the dear Lamb of God left His glory above to bear it to dark Calvary. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. And exchange it someday for a crown. To the old rugged cross, I will ever be true. Its shame and reproach gladly bear. Then He'll call me someday to my home far away, where His glory forever I'll share. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. I'll cling to the old rugged cross. Crown and exchange it someday for a crown, and exchange it someday for a crown. You've been listening to. Is it relevant today? If you have any questions or comments, please leave them on our Facebook page. Is it relevant today? But for now, thanks for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next week. I love to tell the story. Twill be my theme in glory to tell the old old story. Of Jesus and His love